morning. You know, when I was um, glancing over this passage, it reminded me of a situation when I was young and um, I was pranking my brother. Um, I decided to take something away from him, and then while he was asleep, obviously, I ran to the furthest edge of my neighborhood and shouted, Hey, I've stolen your Ninja Turtle. What are you going to do about it? Um, I figured I was safe, but in the back of my mind, I knew, and he knew as well, that we both slept in the same house. So he just waited. The rage and everything, he didn't spare me, not one uh, cent. But when I read this passage and I saw what um, happened here, I just wish that um, my brother knew that we both were the son of uh, Jesus Christ and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, Samuel chapter 26, verses 5 through 25. Then David sent out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, laid, had lain down. Saul was lying inside the camp with his army and camped around him. David then asked Himelech, the Hetiti, and uh, Abishai, son of Zariah, Zoab's brother. Who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I will go with you, said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul, laying asleep inside the camp, near his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were laying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be gutless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said to the Lord himself, will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord had forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near uh, Saul's head and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over into the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. There was a wide space between them. He called out to the army and to Abner, son of Ner. Aren't you going to answer me, Abner? Abner replied, who are, who, who are you who calls to the king? Skip down to verse 17. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, David, my son? David replied, Yes, it is, my lord, the king. And he added, Why is my lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What wrong am I guilty of? Now let my lord, the king, listen to his servant's words. If the lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, people have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have driven me today from my share of the Lord's inheritance and have said, go serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a patridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back. 
David, my son, because you considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, David, my son. You will go do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. I'm not, I don't want to throw you off here real quick, but you guys remember we had the Mother's Day? It was just a couple of weeks ago. Just a couple of weeks back was Mother's Day. And when it was on, I actually shared a passage of scripture from John chapter two, when Jesus performed his very first miracle, uh, turning the water into wine. And so that was just a couple weeks back, but I want to share this a little further down in John chapter two, and then I want to talk a little bit about that from the modern family values idea. The Bible says in John chapter two, verse 23 through 25, now while he, in that capital H there, tells you we're talking about Jesus. Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, just after he had turned the water into wine, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. But then I want you to notice chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. And I bolded those so you would make sure and catch it. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Now, I don't know if you've ever read this passage of scripture, because if you're like me, you can read a passage of scripture, and especially as you kind of come towards the end of a chapter, I know that I shouldn't do this, especially as a preacher, y'all pray for me, uh, but the truth is, is that sometimes I'm like, oh, I wonder what's happening in the next chapter, kind of like I do with, you know, TV shows and stuff like that, you know, and so I kind of almost read through, but when I read this passage of scripture and slowed down enough to really let it sink in, there's some powerful words here that are being shared. Jesus would not entrust himself to someone because he knew what was in every single person. Now, he doesn't need any testimony about himself from anyone else because he knows who he is. So I want to slow down and I want to talk about this concept of how in the world can we have kids grow up in this world and then go out and live in this world where everything, social media-wise and all that stuff, is all designed for you to affirm me, for you to tell me who I am, for you to cheer me for the things that you like, and for me to seek your approval rather than God's approval. Can I get an amen on that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Let's go to our next slide here. And you can just see, I mean, this is for the old folks on the left. That's the Facebook, uh, you know, logo there. Uh, but then you've got Snapchat, Instagram, or as the cool kids say, IG, uh, trying to stay hip, uh, Twitter, YouTube, and all these other things that are going on out there. TikTok isn't even on there, and it's probably the most popular with our young people. But the truth of the matter is, is like constantly, 
in these realms, which is a reality that they live in, they're asking somebody to affirm them. And in many ways, those things that are out there are often larger for them than what they've yet been able to develop in here. I'm gonna say that one more time. Those things out there feel larger than what we have going on inside. Now, that doesn't end whenever you're 25. That can be true for every person in the world. But especially for our young people who don't know exactly what their character is, what they believe, how to stand on their own two feet with what they believe, I want to talk today about developing character in your kids to the point where they can actually stand up and say, you know what, I don't need you to tell me who I am because I already know who I am. I don't need you to give me approval because I don't actually need your approval to be proud of who I am and what I do. I don't have to hear from you because I've already heard, my hope is that they've heard from the Lord, but at very least they've heard from themselves and it's resonated that this is who I want to be, not just simply who others want me to be. You guys following along? And, and let's just be real clear. This is not just about you teaching your kids in the modern family values and what to pass along, how to do it. It's also for you and me. Because the truth be told is that sometimes if our footing is not solid, if our footing is not where it ought to be, if it's not rooted in the fortress that we have according to the scriptures in our Lord and the relationship with him, then we can start searching for others to complete us and others to approve of us. And we can chase that all of our lives if we're not careful. And you know people who have chased that all of their lives and it has ruined them in many ways. And so I'm encouraging you not just to hear this on how to pass it along to your kids, but also how to embody this and put it in your own heart so it gives you strength and you can stand on your own two feet. If you guys are so far with me, can I get an amen? Y'all with me still? Okay. All right. Very good. Most of y'all, those of you who are asleep, somebody elbow with them. All right. Let's go to our next slide. Character is what you are in the dark, said D.L. Moody. And I think this is so true. And especially again in our modern world. <laughs> How many of you? Okay. Let me be very clear about what I am about to say. How many of you know what a burner account or a burner phone is? Can I see your hands? Okay, so notice I said, I didn't say, do you have one? I said, do you know what it is? So let's be very clear. All of your marriages are still intact, all right? Here's what I know. In our world, we don't even need to ask, hey, what's a burner phone? Hey, what's a burner account? This is our way of portraying or being something different than what we are sharing with other people in our world. Character doesn't do that. Even if it's acceptable in our world, it doesn't mean it's acceptable. <laughs> there is such a thing as integrity even when nobody's looking. And that's what this whole concept, this whole quote is centered around. Character is what you are in the dark. In other words, even when nobody's looking and nobody can see, what kind of character do you display? And I'll be honest with you. We need to be very careful because as Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. And so if you are constantly doing the wrong kinds of things, it's telling you where your character might lie more so than those things that you would like to think of yourself. And how many of you guys have ever heard of um, something? Uh, oh my gosh, I just lost it. Uh, I didn't intend to go down this path, but um, it's basically when you believe one way about yourself 
Cognitive dissidence. There it came back to me, okay? The idea is you believe this about yourself, but all of the things that you do take you in a different direction. The further that space gets between your actions and what you believe about yourself, the more unhealthiness there is in between. And so it's important for us, even psychologically, even you know, in that frame of reference, much less spiritually, it is important that our character and our habits line up together. Character is what you are in the dark. And if you have what they call integrity, which is a, a, a term that was actually shared about uh, uh, fishing vessels and, and sailing vessels. The integrity of that hull kept all the water out and all the inhabitants safe inside. And so it is important that we know that character and integrity are what you are whenever nobody's looking. And that's important. All right, let's keep moving here real quickly. The big idea is character is developed caught and taught. You do all three of them intentionally, and it will be something that you can pass along. Character is developed, caught, and taught. Do all three of them intentionally. Let's keep moving. How does that play out? Let's talk about, let's go to our next slide. So something to learn, David sparing Saul's life in 1 Samuel 26 is the second time that David could have killed Saul in a kill or be killed situation. Saul had tried to kill David himself with a spear in 1 Samuel 19 and then sent his men to wait outside David's home to kill him in that very same chapter. But David chose not to kill Saul, but to wait on God rather than compromise his principles, even as a warrior. What I mean by that, and especially that last phrase, how many of you guys remember that basically the first thing that we know about David is he killed Goliath. <laughs> David and Goliath, you've heard that story since you were a little kid, if you've grown up in church. And so David was not adverse to killing someone or taking their life. And he was in a kill or be killed situation. If I don't kill this man, he's eventually going to get me. He's already tried three times, once by his men, once by his own hand, and I've spared him another time, but he's still chasing after me. This is now in 1 Samuel chapter 26, the second time that he keeps chasing after him in the desert, what Paul read to us. And so we see he's not letting up until he kills David. It's a kill or be killed situation, but David will not do the right thing the wrong way. You understand what I'm saying? He will not do the right thing, becoming king, like God has already anointed him. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But he will not do the right thing in the wrong way. Now, I'm going to slow down because I've been, I've been running, running, running. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you. In our world today, it doesn't matter how you get there. It just matters that you get there in society. You see what I'm saying? That's not what the Bible tells us or teaches us. It matters how we do it. It matters that we don't kill the king so we can become king, even though God has already anointed us. You see what I'm saying? And so what I'm sharing with us is, is that it matters what you are when your chips are down, when you're at the end of your rope, it matters how you act and react in that situation. David's kill or be killed, but he will not take a life when he knows that's not what God wants him to do. This is character that stands up in the heat of battle 
and in the difficult times. Let's keep going to our next slide, and I want to share these things with you. From 1 Samuel 24, verse 3 and 4, he came to the sheep pens along the way. This is 1 Samuel 24, where David has that opportunity but doesn't take it the first time. He, in the second time, is 1 Samuel chapter 26 that Paul read for us. But 1 Samuel 24, I've shared this passage of scripture and taught and preached from it already before. But he came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Oh, man, isn't the Bible just the realest? It's the realest of the real, right? It ain't going to pull no punches and pretend. Saul had to go to the bathroom, and so he went into a cave and he didn't want company. Can I get an amen, <laughs> right? You know, I don't want company. This is private business. Going to take care of it. I'm going to take my cell phone in here and go, all right, anyway, you know what I'm saying. Then the men said to David, who were in the back of that cave, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut a corner off of Saul's robe. In the most compromising situation that you can think of, David has a sword in his hand and he's got people in his ear saying, you can do this. God's done this. He's delivered him on a silver platter. Kill the man and let's all go home. David does not do that even though people that loved him were giving him advice that sounded good in the moment but we're probably not according to God's plan. Now, how many of you have ever had somebody who loved you give you bad advice? Can I see your hand? It is possible. How many of you have ever loved somebody and given them bad advice? Can I see your hand? Yes, that is me as well, right? So we're not infallible. But you know what does not change? God's word and his truth just doesn't change. We want to twist it and make it fit our context. And well, you know, if I look real close, it's a kill or be killed situation. And if I don't get rid of him, he's going to get rid of me. You know, I have to think to myself, David was God's chosen man. And how proud would he have been to say, you know, I took the throne by killing a man who was in a cave, defenseless and using the bathroom. You see what I'm saying? Like, is that the story you want told about you? Or would you rather say, you know what? I'm not doing this this way. Man, some of us are willing to write our stories in such silly ways, ways that are way beneath us. You're, you're designed and deserving of better. Don't let your story be written because of convenience. Let it be written by God's holiness instead. And you'd be shocked at how it untangles all the stuff that gets all messy. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easily seen straight on. That's not how God always works. But I will tell you. I love that David didn't say, you know what, it's kill or be killed, and you know what, I better take this because I'll never get another chance. And guess what? He did get another chance, and he didn't take that one either. And he was having people in his ear telling him, take the chance, take it. This is your chance. God has given this as a chance for you to have your way. Here's what's interesting. I don't know about you, but one of the things that what I wanted for my kids, and you guys, most of y'all know, my kids are gone. 
um, you know, they've moved away. My youngest is 22, 26, and 27 years old. That's my kids. And I wanted them, when I wasn't there to tell them what to do, I wanted them to hear my voice telling them, you don't need to go down that path. You're better than that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to lower yourself to that standard. That's what I wanted them to hear. I wanted them to hear my voice. I wanted them to hear Shelly's voice. I wanted them to hear God's voice saying, you're better than that. Don't do that. Don't lower yourself in that way. Your kids will have somebody in their ear telling them what they should and shouldn't do for the rest of their life. Because you do too. People at work, friends, enemies, frenemies, the whole thing, right? And all of them will tell you what you should and shouldn't do. They've got a plan for you. And the best thing that you can do is just like Jesus say, you know what? I don't need your approval. I don't need your acceptance. I don't need you to tell me because I know that people are fallible, but God has a different plan for my life. And that's the one that I want to be on. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. So real quickly, that's that first chance. Let's go to our next slide. This is the big idea again. Character is developed, caught, and taught. Do all three of those things intentionally. Would you guys say this aloud with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Character is developed, caught, and taught. Do all three of them intentionally. Let's go to our next slide and talk about how this plays out. Develop. That means that you need to let your child fail and you need to talk with them after they fail and say, okay, so here, here's the after action report, right? This screwed up and this went sideways. Why did it go sideways? Sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. But you always have to be willing to have a hard conversation because we think that, th that the, they will eventually kind of clue in and say, well, they're going to grow in wisdom. You know, they understand what's screwed up. No, they don't. And you know what? God bless them and God love them. You didn't either. Whenever you were young, you thought you had it figured out, but you didn't. And I get an amen on that, right? I needed my dad to say, the reason that screwed up was because. And he would often tell me, well, you know what? You're telling me it's their fault. And maybe that's true. But about half of it's their fault and about half of it belongs to you, Randy. You could have done this and you could have done this and you could have done this. It's an after action report. And if he shows it to me, I might not like it in the moment, but I have a chance to grow in wisdom. And can I just say one other thing? We assume way too much wisdom on behalf of our kids. If we're not intentional in developing and catching and teaching it and modeling it and all that different stuff, they probably will take a lot longer and take a lot more lumps that they don't have to. Caught. Children see what you model, in other words, and then taught using slogans, calling out what you see happening in their character, both the good and the bad, especially the good. And then use the why question, like constantly use the why question. Why did you choose to do that? Hey, listen, I'm on your side and I want to see the positive that goes on. But why did you make that choice? Do you think there was another one that you could have made? Or even just say, well, go back and do it again. Would you do it the same way? You wouldn't? Why? What's different? 
if you will lead them to wisdom, it's a lot easier for them to find it than if they have to bang around and find it on their own in the dark. And so it's important for you and for me to just develop that character. That's how it plays out. And this is an established fact. I wanted to share this established fact with you on the next slide. Um, The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. How many of you know who that son was? It's David. And then Saul said, I know that you, David, will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel be, will be established in your hands. You know what he goes on? I, I got the dot, 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 so we could all fill it, fit it on one slide. But you know what he says next? He says, I'm only asking that you would promise that you don't kill my family members whenever you become king. You know what he's saying? David, this is always how it goes. In the ancient world, if you want to be king, you kill the king, and then you kill off all the rightful heirs, and you become king. So Saul is saying, I already know God's put you in the place you're going to succeed me as king. I already know the only thing I can ask is don't kill my family when that happens. How many of you know that's not what David wanted to do in the first place? How many of you know that David, in this passage of scripture that Paul read a minute ago, had the chance to kill him a second time, chose to forego it, so he would do the right thing the right way rather than the the right thing the wrong way. So real quickly, let's talk about people's influence. And we just shared this with you two different times. In that first chance in the cave and then this second chance in the camp, both times the men are saying, this is God's gift to you. Let's kill this guy and let's go home. But David says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. The first time they said, you do it, David, kill him and then go on. But then they figure out in about two chapters worth of living that the truth is, is David's not going to do it himself. And I want you to notice something. And let's be honest. Let's, let's not pretend it any different way. You know, hey, David, let me kill him. I'll strike him down. I don't need a second shot. I'll take care of him on the first chance and he'll be done and you can be king. In other words, you had a chance, but you wouldn't take it. Maybe you're feeling a little squeamish about doing it yourself, but I'll take care of it for you and off we go. You guys see what I'm saying? Now, let's be honest. Here's what Randy probably would have done. Well, look, hey, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I mean, if if that's what you're gonna do, do what you're gonna do. I'm not, you know, right? I mean, you know, we get there. <laughs> we take a little shortcut. Oh, oh, it's just me. Some of y'all are looking at me at judgment in your eyes. All right, that's fine. That's fine. The truth is, is that we all want to take the shortcut, but character says do it the right way for the right reasons, the right timing, do the right thing. David says, no, we're not doing that. You're not going to do it for me. I'm not going to do it myself. And people will always be there to try to tell your kids, your grandkids, how they ought to do it and how they ought to handle it. Don't let them only hear those voices. Intentionally let them hear your voice because character is developed over time. It's caught by watching you live a life of character. And then it's taught by you and I having conversations with those kids And let me just say, 
This is something I've shared with you before. I shared with you last week. This is a quote by Paul David Tripp. It is so powerful. It says, if your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of your children, it's never an accident. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God has put them into a family of faith so that you can be a tool of his rescue and his transformation. In other words, every time my child shows me that they're having a problem in their character, then it is my opportunity to say, God wants you to be different. Can I help you be different? I want to call you out on that. Because truth be told is that sometimes you're the only one who will ever call out your child in a direction that they need to be going. All right, so let's keep moving here. What to pass, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was talking earlier about this, uh, how kids think one thing and it's very different, you know? You just, you think you have it all figured out. Can y'all appreciate this meme that I, when I was a kid, I thought quicksand was gonna be a much bigger problem than it actually turned out to be. Do any of y'all have that experience? When I was a kid, I thought, you know what? When I get caught in quicksand, this is what I'm going to do. And the funniest thing is, is I've never yet been caught in quicksand. <laughs> I just knew I had a big problem in my life that I was going to have to figure out, and it turned out it was nothing. Your kids don't know what they don't know. Your grandkids don't know what they don't know. You're part of the guidepost of teaching and sharing with them. This is going to be important. You don't need to worry about this. This is important, but this is nothing. It will come and go. They need to hear from you. Be the loving guidepost in their life. All right, let's keep moving here very quickly. What to pass along? Pass along that your character matters. And then you see some places that we've already been. Let's go to our next slide as well. Don't miss this. Your parenting style should teach how to live by the golden rule, even if no one notices and no one is there to make them. How to choose wisely how to think long-term, not only short-term. And I've shared this over and over and over again. He that complies against his will is of his own opinion still. In other words, you can be there to tell your kid what to do and make them do, but then eventually when you're not there, they're gonna show you what they actually believe by the choices that they make. Make sure that you're not just simply making them do something and then later realizing they never were convinced. Let's go to our next slide. Four things to teach and model and speak. We're going to do this very, very quickly. First, sacrifice for others and think of self later. You don't just say, no, 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 don't do that. And assume that they know why they don't do that. Instead, you say, think about your brother's feelings. Let him go first this time. You went first last time. You take turns. When you say, no, 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 don't do that. They don't understand why. You think they do, but they don't. Not every time, for sure. But tell them Think about someone else's feelings. Make a sacrifice of you so others can have the best occasionally, right? So this is how you teach it. You sacrifice for others, self later. You can always just put it in a slogan. Sacrifice now, self later. Sacrifice now, self later. Whenever they say, well, I wanted to do this. Okay, sacrifice now, self later. This is how we know joy, and, and I won't get into it, but Jesus and then others and then yourself in that order brings you joy. It's true. Let's keep moving here. Okay, and then this next slide, uh, sometimes it freezes up. There, we choose humility. We don't claim honors. Think about this in the context of David. 
Sacrifice of others for others and think of self later. Choosing humility, don't claim honors, even if they're already yours. David had that as his thing in his back pocket. I've already been anointed as the next king of Israel, but I'm not going to play that card. I'm going to wait. Sacrifice now, self later. Humility now, honors by others later. Now, real quickly, if you don't understand what humility is, C.S. Lewis nails it. It's our next slide. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That is powerful, and that will change your life. If, if you don't hear anything else, every time I throw up a C.S. Lewis quote, I want to say it, but take that with you. I'm telling you, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. No, you know, little Eeyore walking around. You know, no, not that. Just think of yourself last instead of first. Let's go to our next slide. Four things to teach and model. Sacrifice, humility, higher purposes, not power and possessions. You know what, Alicia, if you don't mind, I just don't have time to go to the next slide, but let me just share this with you. Our whole world is full of people that want to put it on somebody else, but all they're really doing is just trying to gain for self, whether it's power or possessions, and they will compromise every principle that they ever had to do it. And the truth is, is that unless you share and model and show and teach a different way, your kids, my kids, my grandkids, they're all going to end up going down that same path because they're bombarded by that stuff. If you can't develop character that can re resist that stuff, it will crush them. And their principles will go out the window in the chase and pursuit of possessions and power and other things. I could have put pleasures up there too, but I didn't. So let's keep moving. All right, let's keep moving to the next slide. We practice kindness. We don't pursue kingship. I've already talked a lot about it, so I won't stay here too long. But isn't it awesome to think about David who says, this is not the way this story is going to be written. I am the rightful heir and I'm in a kill or be killed situation. Everything is on the line. But here's what I know. If God wants me to be king, then he will give me that chance the right way, not the wrong way. So I will wait on him and it will be the right thing at the right time for the right reasons and the right path to get me there. And all of that stuff is still possible if you will wait and say, I will wait on the Lord and I will let my character sustain me when everything else is crushing in on me. Now, let me just share this with you. Don't know if you guys know this or not, but this is not just for your kids. This is for you. This is for me. It is for your kids, yes, for sure. It's modern family values, what to pass along and all those things. But it's not just for them because you like me and me like you, we need character that sustains us in this difficult world. And so you can use all four of these things as your slogan. And if you go all the way back to the very first teaching series of this year in January, where I talked about rising, one of the things that James Clear says in Atomic Habits is the habits that will be most likely to stick and to stay are things that we see about ourselves. It's who we are, not simply what we do. In other words, I sacrifice for others and I'll worry about myself later. Not right here in this moment, I'm gonna make a sacrifice and I'll worry about myself later. That's a different thing. 
Y'all got catch the difference? I choose humility. I'm not here to see my own honor. I'm not here for power and possessions and pleasures. I'm here for a higher purpose. I'm here to give kindness, not to elbow my way in and make sure that I'm the king of this situation or anything else. You see, if you will tell yourself that that is what you were created for, you will be less likely to act in a way that's different than these noble characteristics that you see. And it's incredible when you start putting a high value on yourself, how the world seems to follow suit. And those that don't seem to fall away. It's just the reality of it. So just don't forget, character is who you are on the inside and it is what you are even when nobody's looking. Let's go to our final couple of slides real quickly. After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they said, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him a, what? King by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Even Jesus was tempted to go down the path of self first rather than sacrifice, of kingship and not kindness. But he would not let himself go down that path. And isn't it interesting that David was a man after God's own heart, and here we see it shown not only in David, but also in Christ himself. All right, so real quickly, I got to share, here's, here's what I'd like to do, if you don't mind. Let's go to number 33, and if we'll take a look here, this is One World Trade Center talking about sacrificing character and that kind of thing, I couldn't pick a better day than just before Memorial Day. I don't know if you guys remember 20, uh, 2001, 9-11, when it happened. But I remember, I remember thinking this changes everything. Because here in the United States, we have often had things that have happened to others around the world that we did not have to experience. It was one of the very few times that we ever looked around and said, that happened here to us? And I know that that sounds almost arrogant, but again, I say we rise and fall under a blanket of protection that we take for granted. And when that happened, it made me feel shaken. And I realized this could change everything. You guys had that same experience if you remember back in 20, uh, 2001, September 11th. And so I just share with you, by the way, that's one World Trade Center. Instead of the two towers that did come down, they built one, but that's what that is. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't even know if my world will ever be the same. And it pretty much has gone back to the same. Not because of anything that I've done but because of what other people have done for me. You see what I'm saying? The sacrifice that other people have made, the character that they showed has made all the difference in my life. I don't want to not honor that. And I also don't want to be a person who just appreciates it and doesn't share that down the line paying it forward. 
one way or another, I, I'm not a, a person who can go across the sea and, and fight in a war. Any of these things, they're not mine to do. I have a different job and a different calling. But here's what I know. I can make sacrifices for other people. I can take my own priorities and make them a backseat. And in the process, I can honor somebody else. And I can show those characteristics that I find heroic. Not that somebody made a ton of money or that they did something that made them famous or any of that stuff. I could care less about any of that stuff. But what I do see is when somebody makes other people's lives better, especially on a large scale, wow, that is something. And it comes from within and it comes from character. Our armed forces, as we honor them on Memorial Day, they have shown character that we have benefited from. Here's my challenge to you. You have young people in your life. You have friends in your life that have challenges that they face that your character on their behalf can change. But it has to be intentional. It's got to be developed. It's got to be caught. And it's got to be taught. And it won't happen by accident. So I encourage you, be a person who shares character everywhere you go. Heavenly Father, as we end our time together around your word, I pray that you would take it and use it for your kingdom and for your purpose, that you would change us and make us more like yourself, that we would share character and show that we don't care about what this world puts value on, that we would be as Jesus was and say, you know, whether you accept me or not, I will be who I am because I know what God has said about me and what he has spoken over me. And so I pray that each one of us as we leave would understand who we are in your sight, that we are your child and that you are deserving of a child who follows you and honors you with our life. And in the process of it all, may you use our life to be a blessing and encouragement to other people, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, amen. Thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention.